We don't always hear from the food allergy dads as much as we do the moms. So in this two-part series, I'm chatting with one of the participants of the recent Food Allergy Dad Experience Survey to get more insight into what it's like on the dad side of this journey. In this first part, we chat about results from the survey, advice to help dads feel as knowledgeable as the moms, how my guest and his wife created a shared vision for food allergy parenting despite differing points of view, and two pivotal experiences he had that changed his allergy parenting mindset. A quick note, if you're interested in learning the results of the Allergy Dad survey, be sure to check out episode number two called Exploring Food Allergy Dad Experiences, which was released in May. You can also read all of the anonymous survey results on a recent blog post on the Food Allergy Counselor website at www.foodallergycounselor.com. Welcome to Exploring Food Allergy Families, a podcast with real talk, relatable conversations, and practical tips focused on navigating the impacts that food allergies have on families, relationships, and mental health. I'm Tamara Hubbard, licensed therapist and the host of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Please remember that while this podcast offers general advice, it should never replace medical or mental health care guidance from your own healthcare team. So today I'm chatting with Jit, who is the dad of a child with food allergies. Jit, thanks so much for coming on to chat with me and getting real about your food allergy parenting journey. Tell us a little bit about yourself, including the food allergies that your family manages. I have a son who's 15 years old. His name is Simon. And um, about, I would say about 15 years ago now, we found out that Simon was allergic to sesame seeds, nuts, peanuts, fish, shellfish, uh, eggs, dairy, and kiwi. Okay, so quite a few things. Yes, quite a few things. And when we first got the diagnosis, it was, it was very overwhelming and scary. And we found out when he was around seven months or so. Okay. And, uh, and the reason we found out was because we went to, basically, we went to a store that specializes in selling nuts and, and lentils and beans and sort of like a bulk barn. I don't know if you have that in, yes, in yeah. the US. Yeah, sort of like that, where there's like all sorts of things open, and then you can just take things out of buckets. And uh, anyway, so he was six months, and I had him in, in one of those, you know, baby Bjorn <laughs> packs. And uh, so as soon as we walked in, suddenly his face turned red and, wow. and, and, uh, and, you know, we knew something was going on. And sure. so after that, we went to, uh, we went to see an allergist and that's when we got, uh, that's when we got the diagnosis. So My goodness. Was, and that was the start of your food allergy parenting journey right then the when start. he was six months old. So, well, we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, let's first take a little sidestep back to the food allergy dad experience survey that uh, I know you took. So I've got a couple of questions I'm curious your thoughts on. Um, I've got two parts that I want to ask you your opinions on. So the first question is, why do you think that 73% of dads felt that they don't speak up about food allergy parenting experiences enough? And in your opinion, what might some of the reasons or factors be for that huge result? So I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I think first of all, uh, one of the things that that makes it very difficult is that there's not a lot of information out there, or there is a lot of information out there, but but 
a lot of it is conflicting, which mm-hmm. which uh, which was disturbing at first because I I did a lot of reading on on the topic and and we also found um, uh, so we currently live in Ottawa and there there was a, a group called the Ottawa Allergy Support Group OASG mm-hmm. and um, so I started going to this group and learning about about allergies and uh, learning about different ways of coping. And I think conflicting information or lack of information. Mm -hmm. And the other one is also when you're not sure about certain things, you are sort of a little bit shy to speak up. That's a really good reason that I hadn't even thought of. I kind of thought of maybe you know, dads weren't as connected, which is one reason potentially. But I, I like that you're you're saying that, you know, it, it may feel hard to speak up if you're not sure the information you're receiving is accurate or you don't feel confident in the information that you're receiving. That kind of leads to the other question I had, which was, um, you know, one of the things that came out in the survey, one of the themes was that some dads expressed frustrations about not always being seen as not as knowledgeable as food allergy moms um, Mm -hmm. or taken as seriously either. So do you have any thoughts on that topic uh, on why or any advice that you'd have for dads or even moms to help encourage and empower dads so that they can be seen as knowledgeable or as taken as seriously as moms seem to be? Well, I think, I think that might be, it might be because the probably m- most mothers are are more involved with with food preparation i mean that might yeah. be the 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 reason um i'm not sure yeah. uh, in my household i'm the one who who does all the cooking so so i was very <laughs> close to to the food preparation uh aspect of uh, of this and so uh and also going to the groceries and 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 so on and so that i think yeah. uh is how i got really involved um so you know maybe the advice i would give is is uh, get involved with food prep yeah. and 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 how to cook for someone that has allergies that might and be. and did by doing that, did you feel, I mean, so it sounds like for you, when you guys got your diagnosis for your son, you, and we'll get back to that in a minute, because I want to hear a little bit more about that beginning part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got involved, you went to meetings, and you sought out information, and then you found a way in which you could be involved and helpful and really kind of hone your skills in food allergy parenting. Yes, yes, okay. I got very involved right off the bat. Um, I mean, when we got the diagnosis, you know, it was overwhelming, it was scary, but at the same time, um, both my wife and I, we felt like we don't want, um, our son to ever be afraid of eating. We want, we want him to enjoy eating, to want to eat, to, to take pleasure in eating. And Mm -hmm. so that was one thing. And the other thing is we never wanted him to feel left out, you know, because often kids with allergies, you know, when there's, when there's any event where food is involved, often they're sort of left out, cast aside, uh, you know, cast aside, ostracized somehow, you know, because they can't, you know, eat the birthday cake or they can't, have the ice cream or they can't mm-hmm. have the chocolate and, you know, like Halloween and things like that. And so, um, um, so those were the two things that we, we thought let's work to figure out a way so that he never feels like he's left out of anything. Right. And 
he actually really enjoys eating. So those were sort of the two <laughs> guiding principles that we we agreed on and said, okay, let's work on those are our objectives. We want him to grow up uh, feeling this way, you know. So you achieved your goal really because if he enjoys eating, then obviously one of the, your objectives was met. It sounds like, um, and and actually that kind of leads me to one of the questions I had for you too. Is it sounds almost as if that was a motto that your wife and you said, okay, you know, we want to be a family that manages food allergies, but that enjoys eating and that enjoys, you know, exploration of foods. Yes. 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 And in fact, I mean, um, early on, so this is something maybe, maybe uh, dads and, and moms who, uh, uh, who have kids with allergies might consider um, Mm -hmm. what I did was I attended uh, some workshops uh, and one in particular that um, uh, was uh, focused on how to cook for um, for people with allergies, and uh, I remember the person that presented um, uh, did an outstanding job, and and she started the, the the workshop and said something which really sort of changed my outlook. This was mm-hmm. like a an aha type of moment. An Oprah and, aha uh, moment, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the way she started it was she, uh, you know, she presented herself and then and then she put up a, a slide where she said, you know, uh, that she started doing this because her son had multiple food allergies and, and she showed like a list of about eight or ten ingredients and said, here are the things that my son is allergic to and this is why I started doing this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Everyone in the audience, I think there was like 20 or 30 of us, we all gasped. We're like, oh my God, there's 10 ingredients. Ah, you know, nuts, peanuts, fish, shellfish, you know. And when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, you know, he's... He's got almost all of the ones that Simon has, you know. So, <laughs> and uh, so, so that was a little scary. And then I'm like, oh my God, what are we gonna cook? You can't eat anything, you know. Yeah. And um, and then she put up the next slide, which was written in really tiny font, <laughs> and there was like like a thousand things on there. And she goes, "Here are the things that my son is not allergic to." Wow. And so this is what we have to work with. And then when you look at it that way, you're like, wow, you know, there's yeah. like thousands of things he can eat and there's only like, you know, five or six that he can't. So why, why am I focused on those five or six? I should focus on the thousands that he can eat. And, wow. and that really, it lifted like a weight off my shoulders. It was, yeah. it was, it was a big moment for me and it, it was unbelievable. It really, it really helped me a lot. And, yeah, uh, well, I can see how that would be empowering and encouraging because, like you said, she she sort of flipped it around. So instead of looking at a deficit, you were looking at what you did have available to you and was telling you all, hey, you need to think of it that way as well. That is so encouraging and empowering. How early on in your journey was that? Was that right after he was diagnosed or? Um, so uh, it was essentially when he was around one so he okay. got he got diagnosed when he was around six months um so this workshop i went to when he was about one year one years one that's year still old. pretty early on in your journey i mean yes. you had a few months there where you know maybe your feelings were a little different and then you go to this this workshop and suddenly you're like wow 
I could think of this very differently. And that seems to be a huge pivotal moment in your journey so far. I mean, you're yes, 14 yes, years later and it sounds like you probably still subscribe to that way of thinking about oh, it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you know, like sometimes when my son gets, gets a little down on himself or, mm-hmm. or, you know, like he'll say, Oh dad, it's not fair. I don't, you know, I can't eat smoked salmon, you know, and that looks so good. Often I'll tell him, I'll say, you know, there's a silver lining. Mom and dad and you and Simon, you know, mom and dad and Simon, we haven't eaten this healthy, uh, you know, before you were born. We used to go out to restaurants and we used to eat a lot of, you know, packaged, prepared food and whatever. But since you're born, you know, dad's been making everything from scratch. You know, I learned how to make bread. I learned how to make, you know, pie crust. I learned how to make wow. you know, all these different things. And, you know, and it's everything is from scratch. And, and we're eating so healthy that, you know, that is great. It's amazing. You know, I love so, that you take that, you know, positive approach, because there's so many things that we can feel down about when it's, you know, related to managing food allergies. And, and, and I love that he feels he can still tell you that he has those feelings, but that you guys are able to tap back into your motto and your shared vision of what you want for your family and help help him reframe his thoughts and say, okay, yeah. well, what can yeah, we definitely. do? And look at what we've done. On that note, how, do you, how did you and your wife develop your approach and shared vision in parenting a child with food allergies? I know that you had a motto about you know, wanting to still find a way to enjoy food, um, savor the experience of eating, but were there a couple of other key things or how did you guys come to be on the same page or in the same book at least? Uh, that's, that's tough. Uh, I (laughs) I think it's tough for all, all couples probably initially. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's really difficult. And, and I mean, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to that point. The, the, presenter at the workshop made is mm-hmm. it, it really depends on your focus, right? So for example, um, uh, one thing that I took a lot of comfort in is, uh, is looking at statistics in the sense mm-hmm. that uh, the number of kids that uh, die because of anaphylactic shock or reactions to, to eating uh, foods that they're allergic to um, is is really small mm-hmm. uh, compared to, for example, the number of kids that that uh, die because they got hit by a car or, or other diseases, you know, like cancer and so on. Mm-hmm. And so statistically, um, this is like a small thing. And so that for me, I was more afraid, I was more afraid uh, I still am more afraid of driving my son to school uh, than I am uh, of him getting into anaphylactic shock and and not receiving proper treatment in time. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that that for me was very comforting. But for example, for my wife, that was not comforting. She <laughs> that was my she, next question. Did she yes, exactly. did she find that comforting or not? No, I'm she not did sure not. Everyone and does, in fact, right? that was that was a big source of conflict between us because yeah. you know the more stats I quoted to her i think the angrier she got with me oh are you brave yeah 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 so so yes so maybe one word of advice is is you know if if you take comfort in statistics don't quote them to a person who doesn't take comfort in statistics maybe read your room know your audience kind of a thing yeah no but i i love that you're saying that for you personally for you, that that was something that helped you calm down those overwhelming feelings that you might've had initially. Now, obviously your wife had a different approach and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe connected more with the emotions and um, how, 
how did you guys get to a place? I mean, there's probably no simple answer, but yeah. in a nutshell, haha. Uh, how did you guys <laughs> get to a place where you were able to at least either respect each other's viewpoints, but come together enough to say, let's work together and not against each other or fight about it so that we can do what's in the best interest of Simon? Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was even though we had slightly different approaches, we knew that, you know, ultimately both of our motives and our goals is to do what is best for Simon. And yeah. so we just had to figure it out through conversation and, and, and I guess communication, I would okay. say communication and, and talking about it, talking about your fears, talking about your emotions, communicating honestly, you know, and like if, if you are angry, well, let it out. We also saw, I mean, the, the talking in, the, in this group, it's sort of like a support group. That helped a lot when we would go to the Ottawa Anaphylaxis support group mm-hmm. meetings. That would help. And we also saw a counselor. And, and I remember one thing that a counselor said, which was helpful, which is uh, the following. So the monsters that you create in your mind are far worse than the ones standing in front of you. I love that. That yeah. so yeah, he's yeah. talking he's talking about cognitive distortions and this idea of, you know, catastrophizing and awfulizing that we tend to make things in our head worse than the reality of what they might be. But I love right. how he right. so eloquently put that in a nice little soundbite there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that that also helped too, right? I mean, yeah. the thing is if you worry about all the bad things that can happen, yeah. I mean, then you're never going to want to leave the house, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and so so you know, just you know, if something bad happens and, and, you know, like Simon has had um, some reactions, he's had two uh, so -hmm. far in his 15 years where we had to give him an EpiPen. And so, you know, when those moments happen, well, you, you deal with them when, Mm -hmm. when it happens, don't worry about maybe it'll happen today. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen, you know? So that's, uh, you know, so taking it day by day and just worrying about what's in front of you, as opposed to worrying about all the, all the things that could go wrong. I love that. Staying present, staying in the here and now versus, you know, where you could be or where you've been. Um, And it sounds like obviously preparation for that is important, but not dwelling on it uh, and rendering yourself stuck and unable to sort of move forward, uh, which is not helpful for parents or kids, right? Thanks for listening to part one of the Tips from an Experienced Dad series. Don't forget to check out part two of this chat as my guest and I will explore his incredibly scary and frustrating hospital experience during that first reaction, how he navigates social situations with family and friends, and we'll hear more sage advice from this experienced food allergy dad. And if you're enjoying this podcast and think others might too, I'd be honored for you to share, rate, and review it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss future ones. And if you're looking for an allergy-informed behavioral health care provider or for additional resources on any of the topics discussed in these podcasts, visit the Food Allergy Counselor directory and website at www.foodallergycounselor.com.